be glad and it's so grateful for you to be able to join us, able to, in person, those who worship, those who join us live, uh, streaming online. We, we come to worship our awesome God, Almighty God, today. We invite you to join us in fellowship and worship, and we invite you to join us a little something like this. I just want to say that I love you. 
of our Lord, we pray to worship him through the reading of the scripture. Let us pray uh, to be received from the Lord. Lord, we ask you enlighten us in the reading of your word, uh, that we have your word hidden in our hearts, that we might not sin against you. Bless us, O oh God, that we will be hearers and doers of your blessed word, we pray. Amen. 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 Pastor Prophet, come and lead us in this time of worship and the reading of the scripture. Morning, church. Morning. Let's 
scripture reading will come from Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1, we're going to be down at verse 15. Colossians chapter 1, if you're able to stand in the God's word, you may do so. I'll be reading from the New Living Translation. And it reads, Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things we cannot see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. He existed before anything else. And he holds all creation together. Christ is also the head of the church, which is his body. He is the beginning supreme over all who rise from the dead. So he is first in everything. For God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ. And through him, God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. This includes you who were once far away from God. You were his enemies, separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions. Yet now he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. As a result, he has brought you into his own presence, and you are holy and blameless, as you stand before him without a single fault. But you must continue to believe this truth and stand firmly in it. Don't drift away from the assurance you received when you heard the good news. The good news has been preached all over the world, and I, Paul, have been appointed as God's servant to proclaim it. Amen. Amen. Thank Thank you. 
first chapter, verses 15 to 23. As we turn there, uh, we are moving along in this letter from the first paragraph that introduces us to theology of Christ, uh, being the Son of God who had redeemed all creation and claiming them to be his body, his church. And he is the head. The church's identity is not their local gathering and address, but we are the church, are the called out, walked, redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, that we find our identity in him. The church is redeemed. And so when we look at this text as we have been developed the theology by Paul in this letter to the church in Colossae, that we now see how we start speaking more intensely of who Christ is. And so as we look at today, I want to encourage us uh, that Christ is the head of the church. And to follow up on this same title, I want to ask you, is Christ the head of your life? Christ is the head of the church, but is he the head of your life? Many of us who've grown up in the church and you've seen somebody coming up we give the morning announcements. First, I like to give glory and honor to my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, who is the head of my life. Uh, we, we have people that say that as repetition, as, as if that's what they're supposed to say when they come up. And I say that because they get up to say, and some are sitting down and saying that they lie. Y'all, 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 y'all quiet on Because we know people, we get up to say, like, how do he the head of your life? Well, we see how you live your life. Y'all, y'all, y'all quiet on so we don't want to give God lip service. We want to give him life service. And so if Christ is the head of our life, we want to unpack what does that look like, that Christ being the head of the church. And so when we look at this text, Colossians, the first chapter, highlighting right now verses 15 and 17, the word of God reads, New Living Translation, Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and supreme over all creation. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. He existed before anything else, and he holds all creation together. We know Christ as the head, and now we know Christ as God. Pointing out here that Christ is God because he represents God, that God is invisible, Christ is visible. What he's pointing out here is that it was we are unable to see God in his state that he is. That God says, since you cannot see me in this state because I'm too glorious and you are too corrupt with sin, I will send myself clothed in human flesh so that I can be touched, I can be seen, I can be felt, and I can defeat death by dying on the cross for your sins. God 
incarnate means to be made in flesh. God in the flesh is who we know to be Jesus. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, three in one. God the Son stepped into times that we might know him because we could not see God the Father, but we got to see God the Son. And now it's shown here that not only is he the incarnated representation of God, but yet he's also responsible for all creation. This should blow our minds to understand that God, who created everything, decided to come like us. Hmm. Genesis made it clear, let us make man in our own image. And God, seeing that we had messed up, one man brought sin into the world. Oh, glory be to God that the Son of Man, the Son of God, Jesus Christ, the bright and the morning star, can take sin out of the world. When we understand that God made us in his image and Christ came in the image of his creation so that we might have a better relationship with him. Christ is the internal king. He existed before anything else and he holds all creation together. What's also implied here is that he existed before everything else. He will also always exist. He is infinite. He is without end. And to know that we serve a God that is all-powerful, almighty, so amazing, full of grace and full of love and full of mercy, that he decided to humble himself and walk the earth with us and to be beaten for our transgressions, to be whipped for our iniquities, to be Whipped and bruised and striped, that when the text says, by his stripes we are healed. For him to take on our shame and our guilt so that we might be redeemed. And yet, in all of that, Christ holds our life and our purpose as the author and the finisher of our fight. Christ is the head of the church. Men, what does it mean to be the head? Well, in the body, the head holds the brain, the chief organ that pretty much functions the body. The brain tells how we ought to live and how we ought to act. Matter of fact, if your brain is not operating, your heart won't beat. Your lungs will not operate to inhale and to exhale. You can't raise your hand. You can't wiggle your finger. You can't blink an eye when your brain does not work. And so here it is that we must be connected to the head to live. And so my question again, is Christ the head of your life? Because if he's not the head of your life, my question is how are you living? We understand another way we use the head, how he, he has a good head on his shoulders. Or he is the head of state. Sometimes we suggest to others when they're the head that they got the talent and the capability and the aptitude to be successful and be good, they got a good head on the shoulders. But also we understand when someone's the head of state or the head of a board that they are entrusted with leadership and believed to lead and guide as directed. And then so if Christ is the head of the church, are we following his instructions? If we are the called out body, washed by the blood of the Lamb. Paul identifies these church in Colossians as the saints 
the holy ones. So here it is that we are all saints. Tell your neighbor, I'm a saint. See, if you have confessed Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are a saint. You don't have to go around looking for a statue to find a saint. Y'all quiet, huh? You can say, I've been saved and set apart by God. That's what a saint is. A saint is one who's holy and set apart. So we, the children of God, are saints. Now, we're not perfect. We don't have it all together. But yet we are washed by the blood of the Lamb. That's why we are grateful that we are constantly being washed and renewed by the Holy Spirit. We understand how washing works. Because we go out and buy soap because we run out. And we got to go get some more. But I'm so glad I'm not running out of grace. I'm not running out of mercy. Every morning I wake up, God got brand new grace and mercy awaiting for us to refresh us and to renew us. And so when we know Christ as a head, we say, thank you, Lord, for your grace and your mercy. I, I, I want to read to you what he says to them in verse 5 and 6. He says, which come from your confident hope of what God has reserved for you in heaven. You have had this expectation ever since you first heard the truth of the good news. The same good news that came to you is going out all over the world. It's bearing fruit everywhere by changing lives. Just as it changed your lives from the day you first heard and understood the truth about God's wonderful grace. So I had to highlight that because we moved past that part, but he's pointing out, I'm talking to you who know his grace, who knows what it means to be forgiven, who knows what it means to be redeemed, who knows what it means to be washed and renewed. And let the redeemer of the Lord say so. So if Jesus is the head of your life, you'll be seeking him for guidance and direction. You'll be asking him permission in the sense of asking it this way. Lord, is it that will? I'm not trying to do it because I like it. I'm not trying to do it because it'll make me look good. But God, will it be for your glory? Will you be magnified? Will you be lifted up by what I'm about to do? Sometimes in life, we want to go how things feel and look. But that can't always be right. Can I bring up some illustration for us from the Bible? King David, come here, King David. King David, a man after God's own heart. King David killed his 10,000, saw his thousands. King David wrote beautiful songs for the Lord. King David loves to worship the Lord. King David says to the prophet, I'm going to build God a temple. The prophet says, go ahead and do it. Everything is good. Then the prophet get a word from God. Go back and tell David he can't build my temple. Too much blood on his hands. David gets the bad news. You know what he did? He says, all right, Lord, not my will be done, but thy will be done. How, how do I know that's what David did? He says, well, if I can't build it, I'm going to get everything that's needed so that when my son, who God says is going to be responsible for building the temple, that he'll have everything that he needs to build this temple. I'm going to highlight something here. David understands that it's not going to be me. I'm going to make sure God gets what belongs to him. But I know it's not about me. It's not about what I have done, but yet I want to do because God deserves greatness. Do you live to honor God? Do you understand? It's not about if it's my name that's mentioned or if it's my name on the cornerstone, but as long as I'm participating and contributing to the goodness, then God's going to be lifted up. 
lifting up the name of Jesus. Jesus is calling us to tell other people how good he is. If Jesus is the head of our lives, then we know that he is supreme. One thing to be the head is to be above. And to to be supreme or to be superb is to be above. (laughs) And so to be exalted or to be greater than, and Christ is greater than. And so therefore, we, the church, the body, Christ is the head. We must understand how we must need him in order for us to move. Can I give you another illustration outside of the Bible, but from my childhood? It was a cartoon I used to watch and had these five lines to go around by the title of Voltron. The lines by themselves was amazing creatures that they could do robotically, fly through space and shoot things down. But when they came against a beast that was bigger than them, better than them, they realized we can't do this apart. Form in the form of Voltron. And they all had a part. I'll be the legs. I'll be the legs. I'll be the arm. I'll be the arm. I'll be the body and the head. And once the head came, then they made a sword. They said, yeah, we about to go to battle now. But they had to wait till they formed the head. The legs and the arms had nothing to do with unless they had the head. And they all gathered in the head. All the pieces were gathered. And so the picture of them in the head saying, we're going to do this together. Christ. Formed us and called us so that we can do this together, but we can't do it without the head. So Christ, the head of your life, one question you need to ask for yourself, what did you do the first thing you woke up this morning? Did you talk to the head of your life? Did you tell him how much you love him and thank him for your grace and your mercy? Did you tell him, Lord, I thank you for some of that old prayer from a reasonable portion of the street? (laughs) Thanking him for the grace and his mercy. So when we know that he is the head, that we must will give him the glory and the honor that he deserves. And then when he give him the honor and that he deserves, it'll better help us to stay focused on him. Verse 18 highlights us that Christ is also the head of the church, which is his body. He is the beginning, supreme over all who rise from the dead. So he is the first in everything. For God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ. The church is called to worship the head. As we worship those who is supreme, we come together. Not about ourselves. See, we go other places for other things. We, we go to the movie theater to watch that movie. We go to the stadium to watch a concert or a football game or a baseball game. We, we go to the field to watch a soccer or, or golf. We, we go to different places to watch something, but we come together in the church, in the body of Christ, wherever that location may be. It don't have to be in four walls. It could be out under a tent. It could be in your room. It could be in a park. It could be on your front porch. When you gather together, tell somebody, if it's the body of Christ, you are the church, and to make it complete, you got to find Jesus. That's why we should open up with some prayer. Uh, you, we, we call oftentimes prayers in places called the invocation. And we say these words, a lot of us don't even know what they are. We've just been taught for them. That, all right, you do the invocation, you do the benediction. I'm going to help you out. The invocation means to invoke, is basically to invite God's presence. That means, Lord, we want you to be in what we're about to do. So, in other words, that if I have asked you to come, I might not be saying something that I wanted to say. Because, God, I realize that's not going to build up the church. 
It's not going to occur on somebody. It's going to tear them down. It's going to destroy them. So if you are the head of my life, let me make it about you and not about me. So the invocation helps me to get my mind right so I can stay focused on what I've gathered together here for. And then oftentimes in the invocation, maybe in your prayer, the spirit reminds you that you're about to do some stuff. That you need to go ahead and let go. You understand how the Holy Spirit guides us and directs us. So when we get in tune and get plugged in to the Spirit, we start being refreshed and renewed and saying, you know what? Don't go there. Stay right here. Thank you, Lord, for being the head of my life. I will follow your instructions and your direction. Then the benediction means to bless. So the benediction means at the end, we have done everything, God, that you called us to do. Now bless us that we be obedient what was said. See, think about what do you want God to bless? What is good? What is pleasing? What is acceptable? So therefore, after my invocation, I should be talking about what is good, what is pleasing, what is acceptable. And so think about how the church should be a place where we talk about what is good, what is pleasing, what is acceptable. That people feel welcome when they come in the place of worship, knowing that I'm not all together and you're not all together, but God brought us all together <laughs> by the blood of the Lamb. That we know we are messed up, but thank you, God, by His grace, that you're blessed up. <laughs> that we can be changed and renewed and transformed into His image. Matter of fact, God came down and looked like us so much, so He wants us to remind us that He wants us to be like Him. And then notice what it says that He's the first in everything. One, one thing that highlights here is that uh, he died never to die again. We love the story of Lazarus. But you know he died again. He rose from the grave, only going to go back to the grave. But see, Christ, when he died, he defeated death so that we don't have to know what that is. And that debt is to be separated from God. That's why Jesus, on his way to the cross, told his disciples that in my father's house is room with many men. I go to prepare a place for you so that when I come back, you understand what he's saying here, that when I come back, I'm going to take you to what I prepared for you. And so when we serve an awesome God that loves us and prepares things for us, how dare we walk around and not tell somebody how good our God is. God has redeemed us and set us free so that we might know life and life everlasting. Christ came so we can have life because he paid our debt. For sin has left us crimson stained. It was for Christ to die on the cross that we have been reconciled with peace. God in his fullness had made us right. You continue on looking at verse 20. It says, and through him, God reconciled everything to himself. He made the peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. See, the church is connected by the blood of the Lamb, and our hope be placed in him. Notice how Paul continues on in verse 21 saying, This includes you who are once far away from God. That reminds us that we all don't have it all together. Let us not walk around 
that we are so heavily minded with no earthly good. Let us not walk around as if we've been saved all our lives that we don't know what sin looks like. Let us not walk around condemning others because we've got things better in our lives because we experienced God's grace before then. But instead, let us show to them that and just as I am in need of his grace, just like you, we're not different. It may look like I'm all put together, but you only see me through the God's grace and his mercy. But let me tell you about my trial and my tribulations. The Bible makes it clear. It says you too were enemies. So let them know, tell them, I was an enemy of Christ. I wasn't always trying to do what brought glory to his name. I was living a life that was pleasing me. I was fighting against him. But I'm so glad that I found his grace. I realize the text is telling us that we were once far away from Christ. Can you think about in a time in your life when it was hard for you to lift up the name of Jesus? Go tell somebody that I'm going to church. Y'all quiet on me. Somebody else. Uh, people ask you every time you go back to work on Monday, what did you do for the weekend? You went to church on Sunday, you don't say nothing. You, you said, oh, it was a good weekend. But you let them know if you went to that concert over the week. You let them know if you went to a ball game over the week. But you won't let them know that I went and worshiped the name of Jesus. I, I, I don't know how you could talk politics, you could talk sports, but all of a sudden you can't talk about the head of your life, your reason for living, your source for living. So that's an opportunity when they ask you, that's an opportunity for you to share. When I went to my church, we sang some songs about Jesus, we talked about Jesus, we had a Bible study lesson about Jesus, we called that Sunday school. You welcome to join? What you doing Sunday morning? You can come on out. You, you, you can wash your car after you get home Sunday morning. You got to be out early in the morning to wash your car, but you got to be up early in the morning to give God some praise. You, you don't got to go to the restaurant that early. We, we get out early enough, you can still make it to the restaurant. Y'all quiet on. You, you don't got to sleep in on that day. You can go and worship God and go back home and go back to sleep for the rest of the day. But get some time to the Lord. You're you going to call me when you're in the hospital and say, can I pray for you? I'm going to say, well, did you take time to pray for yourself? Maybe come together and encourage one another. Without faith, we are alien. We were hostile towards God, trapped in our sinful bondage. And we were lost and desperate to know that our Redeemer lives. But yet, look what he did. He made us holy and blameless. Remember I told you that you are a saint? To be a saint means you are holy and blessed. You are holy. You are called out by God to live for him. Christ is the head. And look what he says that now, yet now, verse 22, he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. I want to highlight here the significance of this, that Jesus' physical body did die. Sometimes we overlook the place that him being fully God and fully man, he was divine and he was human, two natures in one. And so Christ on the cross did die. They, they did some checks to find out if he was dead. They pierced him in the side. You, you notice he didn't say, ouch. Did y'all quiet him? He didn't say, why y'all do that? When they pinched him in the side, they realized that he was already dead. Do you understand? When he was dying on the cross, it's the most incruciating way to die. 
they crushed, they, they pushed their legs up and enough to make it hard for them to breathe. If you know anything about breathing, they tell you if you are laboring your breath to put your arms over your head. Why you put your arms over your head? That's so you can expand your ribcage so you can get more oxygen to your lungs. But yet they push up the body as the arms are crossed to say it's going to make it harder for you to push down your diaphragm and for your lungs to expand if I push it up. Y'all quiet on me. I'm getting too biological technical for you. <laughs> but let me help you out. Because they knew it's hard for you to breathe, you basically just suffocating on the floor. But yet they also knew that pain will also bring your body into shock for you to die. So what did they do to the other criminals? They broke their knees with a sled. They broke their legs. Hey, they're not dying fast enough, y'all. Go kill them. But I think he did. The Bible said he gave up the ghost. He breathed his last. Christ became sin for us in his physical body. As a result, he has brought you into his own presence. And you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. How can you stand in front of God without a single fault? It's not because you are without error. It's not because you are perfect, but it is because the blood still works. The blood that was shed on Calvary still has the same power today. When we call on the name of Jesus, we understand that all who call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And so as we're walking out this gospel, we're telling others that you don't have to stay in the shadows. You don't have to stay in shame and guilt. But understand that he can wash away your sins. He can make you water than snow. The enemy wants you to stay defeated and not come into the body of Christ. But you can tell your neighbor, tell him that don't wait till you get it all together. Just come as you are. There's people out there you share the gospel with, but they let you know that I won't come to church because I'm not ready. That's when you let them know you're never going to be ready. Anybody here ever cook anything? It's never ready when you start. And you got to get it ready. And so, therefore, you got to put it in the oven. You got to defrost it. You got to marinate it. You got to season it. You got to do all kinds of things. You got to even open it about the package. <laughs> If you want to eat, I'm going to help you out somebody. I'll tell you this, that God knows that you're not ready. But he's already made provision to get you ready. That's why Jesus died on the cross. So that's what you let them know. I know you're not ready. I'm not ready. If I was waiting to get ready, I would never get ready because I can't do it by myself. God already knew I couldn't do it by myself. We, 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 think, we take things for granted about how people know we need help because we can't do it by ourselves. Every hotel you go into, they make sure when you get on that elevator, in case of an emergency, especially if a fire, don't get on this elevator, but get on the stairs. Where's the stairs? You're asking some good questions. Here's a sign right here. You are here. Stairs are there. I want to give you instructions how you can get help when you need help. Matter of fact, we do CPR now, and they have an AED device. You probably don't know how to work that AED device. 
They know you don't know how to work it either. That's why when you open up, they got instructions. And it starts telling you, place pad here. <laughs> not connected. <laughs> it's letting you know until you get it right. All right, stand back. Charge coming. It's already reading and telling the heart if it needs a charge or not. I want to tell you that God has always been working in the background in your life, putting signs up, letting you know you don't know how to get to safety, but I'm going to let you know that here's a sign here. I'm right here. Y'all don't hear me? You need to go tell somebody. I don't got it all together, but yet I can take you to someone who can. We go to the beach. And they let you know what kind of beach you want. They let you know that you need to watch your kid. No lifeguard on duty. So you take, and it says you say, swim at your own risk. They let you know that you are putting your life in danger because we have nobody that's the head of security. Y'all see what I say there, right? You have nobody that's up looking out to protect you. But I'm so glad that I don't need a lifeguard sign around my life. Because if Christ is the head of my life, everywhere I go, I got covered. Everywhere I'm looking, I got covered. Because there's been some times that I went some places I should not have gone. And matter of fact, we sing a hymn about how Jesus lifted me. The song has a part that says, I was sinking, deep in sin, far from the peaceful stroke. Very deeply staying within, sinking to rise no more. But the master of the sea heard my despairing cry. From the waters he lifted me. Now safe am I. Tell you that Jesus said. <laughs> oh, yes, he does. <laughs> Jesus says. To the utmost, <laughs> Jesus says. No matter what you're going through, Jesus says. All you got to do is hold on the master, Jesus says. It don't matter how deep you are, Jesus says. He's a present help in the time of trouble. He can hear you and he can reach you. His ears are not too short. His arms are not too short. My God got all power in his hands. Today, our children, may the Lord bless you real good. On your way home, you ought to tell somebody through God from Zion. He is good and he's mighty to be saved. He can change my life. He can pick me up. Turn me around and place my feet on solid ground. You ought to tell somebody, I know somebody that can change your life. I can tell you what he's done for me. Go ahead and tell them your story. You can sing the same hymn and say, I was sinking. Deep in sin, far from the deep of sorrow. Very stain is deep within sinking of rise no more. But the master of the sea heard my despairing cry. And from the water he lifted me now safer He can speak and the winds obey his command. He can say, Peace and be still. He can walk on the waters of Anybody can testify that he's the head of your life?
you want to ask him permission and all things, and Lord, if he die, we Lord, I won't go nowhere you won't send me. I won't say what you won't want me to say. I will do what you want me to do. Father, have thine own We find that energy. We find that strength in the church. We should come together, encourage one another in the church to realize that we are all in need of his grace. Let us pray. Oh God, we thank you for your love for us. We thank you, Lord, there is no place like in your presence to remind us how much you love us and how much you care for us. Thank you, Lord, we're never too far from you. That you are mighty to save. So, Father, help us to be better witnesses and tell others that they can too trust in you. Help us, oh God, invite somebody to come with us to church, to come to, with us to Sunday school and Bible study. Help us to point out that there's joy of coming together with the saints that will never leave you empty, but will leave you filled. Fill us up, oh God. Let it be all of you, Lord, and none of us. Jesus Christ, the Lord, we pray. Amen. There might be someone out there who does not know Christ as their Lord and Savior. You might be joining us live where you are, and you want to know Jesus and know Him as the head of your life. But the Bible says that if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins and He defeated death and rose again on the third day, and He is now exalted and seated at the right hand of the Father and majesty interceding on our behalf. So that all who call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. I want to encourage you, if you want to know him, all you got to do is say, Dear Lord Jesus, I accept you to be my personal Lord and Savior. And then we want to encourage you to find a Bible-believing, preaching, teaching church where you can be baptized, you can be discipled, and you can grow with the, in the community and the fellowship of the saints. So that's you here today or you online, reach out to us. And we'll be happy to help fellowship and disciple you. Let us pray. Father, we just thank you for what our eyes have seen and ears have heard. And Lord, we pray for those who come to know you today, O oh God, that they will be connected, whether it be with Zion or some other church, gathered in your name, that they will grow, be disciples, baptized, and have the community of the Son. Jesus Christ, and Lord, we pray. Amen. As you continue on, the words we pray to give God his tithes and our offering. You're welcome to give right where you are online, or you're welcome to come here in this place. Let us pray over our tithes and offerings to get back to God where the order has blessed us with. Mighty God, we get back to you. Where order belongs to you. Thank you, though, for the means to pay and thank you for the opportunity to get back to you. Now, Lord, we ask you to bless those who have desired to give again, have not thanked you, God, that you provide all things for all your children. So now we ask, bless what is given, that it be done for the building and education of your church. For your glory and for your honor, Lord, we pray. Amen. 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 God bless you. You may come forward as you do later.